This is a podcast from Rover. All right, welcome back into the program. Well, Dean Rabbage is a sheep, beef and dairy farmer from Wyndham and South and also the winner of the 2016 Zander McDonald Award. Now, about a month ago, he had a piece uh, that was published about Te Waka Ikenoa, and I've got to say, it's uh, just as relevant today in light of uh, the last uh, couple of days and what we've heard from uh, the government's proposal as it was back then. He joins us now. Dean, great to have you on the show. How's things? Yeah, good, thank you. Sunny day down here in Glenham, so I can't complain at all. Excellent, good stuff. Hey, listen, um, so this piece, we're, we're about a month ago it was originally uh, published and it's really about your thoughts around Hiwaka Ikenawa, right? Yeah, exactly, Dom. I'm um, even more furious about it today after the announcements we've had recently. I just can't see how it's going to create any better outcomes for anybody involved. That's uh, rural and urban New Zealanders. Everybody's going to be slammed in the pocket over this one for for no better outcome at all. Some of the points that you raise are very, very interesting. Uh, one of them, of course, centres around food security, and uh, you've noted it's becoming a more topical issue by the day. Uh, in relation to food security, this then would seem a quite a bizarre move uh, on, on New Zealand's behalf. Yeah, exactly. Uh, New Zealand's obviously got a really good track record of producing the last footprint food in the world, and this is just going to relate our production to decrease pretty much, Dom. Um, it's just going to, when you combine Hiwaki Kanoa with the ETS and the price of carbon at the moment, it's just going to drive a lot of people out of, out of producing food. And if we don't produce it, somebody else will. So it's just going to have so many negative effects for the for the country. And that slack is unfortunately going to be picked up by a, a lower performing producer overseas. Um, and we're already seeing in Europe that they're winding back environmental regulation to, to secure food production because they're really worried about it, especially when you combine it with the energy crisis. So why are we going against the norm? And it's just unfathomable. I just can't get my head around it. Well, that's the logical next question, isn't it? Why? Why are we doing this? I mean, there's been a few ideas and theories posited around this. Uh, some people say it's just simply virtue signalling. Uh, in your mind, how did we get to this point? I think virtue signalling sums it up perfectly. I think uh, New Zealand farmers are trying to be made a bit of an example of by politicians um, who've got other aspirations of leadership around the world, unfortunately. And hearing James Shaw speak, uh, he all but denied that it was going to... New Zealand farming's an experiment for the rest of the world to see how we can handle this. Um, yeah. Yeah, not the right group to be experimenting with, considering it's a uh, export industry that earns over $53 billion per year. Exactly, $53 billion per year when we're coming out of a pandemic when our government's printed money like it was going out of fashion increased its core debt, um, banned oil and gas explorations, uh, banned live uh, live export of livestock, uh, made it impossible to get staff into the country to value add to their products. They're just bleeding money all over the place, but still spending it like it's going out of fashion. It's just, this is completely unsustainable, and it's going to come unstuck in a very big way very soon. Dean, one of the uh, lines in your piece that you wrote, which uh, I've certainly noticed uh, from talking with other people, my own perceptions of it, is you've said, sadly, it will and is already creating division amongst what has historically been a united and staunch agricultural team. And I think that is a point that uh, needs to be hammered home a bit more. I think you're bang on with that one. 
Yeah, unfortunately, we're seeing it, and it's escalated the last couple of days also. Mm. Um, certain sectors of, of agriculture are going to get absolutely smoked by this regulation, uh, mainly the high country sheep and beef properties, which are probably the most iconic and, and recognisable sectors of, of our food production systems. Um, and in contrast, dairy gets off reasonably lightly, and then the middle easier country sheep and beef is sort of stuck in the middle of those two so it's not fair or palatable for different um, production systems to be to be treated the way they are and, and that's creating divide even amongst um, levy groups and levy bodies and member organisations in, in New Zealand but there's divides there and then also we've got the divide of the rural urban thing, sorry to go back to there but it's just a very divisive and um, fragile environment for everybody to be working at the moment on such a big topic. Yeah, it's a good point you raise because the thing is, what I've actually found, um, just again, my perception of it is in the last sort of two or three days, what I've actually detected is uh, a lot of urban New Zealand, in fact, from what I've seen, the overwhelming majority is in support of farmers. And where you get the division is unfortunately that rural-rural divide, which at a time like this is you want everyone uh, rowing in the same direction, don't you? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's just frustrating, and I just really hope it doesn't get any worse and that we can unite together and, and stay strong and fight this because it's not going to be good for anybody if we carry on going down the path we are. So, Dean, you're a considered individual. I'm just uh, interested to hear how you would actually, um, you know, like to see progress made from this point obviously it's now a consultation period whether you think that uh, you know consultation is is worth the paper it's printed on or not I'm not entirely sure but where would you like to see this thing go well obviously the government's doing its due diligence and going through the official process I, I'm skeptical about how much influence consultation will have because the Hard work over the last sort of two and a half, three years by the by the agriculture groups that have put this proposal together has been completely ignored and rolled over. So I can't see how a six-week consultation is going to change anything. Um, gee, it's almost at stage we start channeling our inner French and Dutch farmer, isn't it? Um, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Do you look at where it's kicked off over there, hasn't it? You know. Yeah. I, I'm not normally one for that sort of thing. Um, I think. Diplomacy is the best way to go to try and solve all these things, but at the end of the day, it doesn't seem to be having much an effect on on these guys. So, yeah, I think some really harsh discussions need to be had and just some economic impact studies done because it seems seems to be forgotten about in all of this. You don't see um, many papers being released about the economic implications on rural communities, um, districts and, and small towns in New Zealand, let alone the big cities. So... I think it needs to be a lot more reasoned um, and have some better metrics put around it because at the moment it's just dead duck as far as I'm concerned. Well, one of the things that I read in, in the government's proposal was an absolute admission that uh, rural communities will suffer. And as you've pointed out in your piece, um, you know, th- w- we're talking here about um, you know, properties that are not just part of people's businesses, but also you know, their homes, their, you know, your kids' playgrounds, it's, it's legacy, that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I, exactly, and that's what's really sad. Like, we're in a very fortunate position. Like, we've been on our family property for 135 years, 
And at the moment, it makes complete economic sense for me just plant place some pine trees and go and buy a house in Wanaka. Mm. But I don't want to do that. Um, it's not who I am. It's not who her family is. It's not where we've been. Um, yeah, like for the government to admit that and still carry on, it just shows you how out of touch with reality they really are. And the uh, high country stuff as well. When you talk about the the um, you know monoculture, exotic plants, uh, i.e. pine trees, um, you know that's going to be a massive problem. I mean, the sheep and beef sector looks like it's going to be reduced drastically. Yeah, exactly. And um, it's a really, really sad day that we're even having these discussions. Um, yeah, it just goes against all the the biodiversity statements that SNAs that all the governments talking about on the, on the other front that we're still fighting also, but to just come in and, and introduce legislation that's just going to steamroll all of that and just advocate for planting pine trees, it's gut-wrenching. Now, just to sort of conclude here, look, your comments today sort of echo what I'm hearing from a lot of people and seeing from a lot of people, farmers on the ground, as it were. Um, is there any sympathy towards, you know, having to do something in relation to emissions, climate change, etc., all that sort of stuff? Um, is it best left in the hands of the farmers? And then the criticism of that, would be, of, of course, would be people saying, well, they'll only do a minimum amount. And that's not what I've seen from a lot of, uh, of people. People, but is there any way uh, forward here to acknowledge that okay something has to be done, but um, you know let us sort it out because we know it better than anyone else? Yeah, there is. Dom, I think that that's ninety percent of my issue. Mm. With it. No, nobody's um, denying that there needs to be a reduction or mitigation, but leave farmers to do it themselves. Let us do it ourselves. Take, taxing us and taking taking their hard earned income and running it through the bureaucratic process and probably losing. 80% of it to red tape and, and bullshit, and let us keep that disposable income in our pockets. Let us keep using that to to put it in our riparian plantings and, and grow, um, cliche it sounds, right tree, right place to, to offset some of these methane emissions. Let us use it to invest in, in buying rams with um, low emission, low methane breeding values attached to them. Let us, let us do all that on farm. I don't see how taking that money and running it through the spinner is going to create a better outcome any faster than what we could do it ourselves. And I'm all about outcomes, and taxing farmers is not going to create any better outcomes at all. So, um, yeah, furious. Dean Rabbage, really do appreciate your time and your thoughts. Thank you very much. No, thank you.